Viene el centro, ¡clave de gol! ¡Gol! The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to another episode of the CGA Tour. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander. Today I'm joined by three soccer fanatics. We've got Jake Marsland, FIFA soccer expert. How are you? Got, uh, of course, Jeremy Begun over here. Um, FIFA king, self-proclaimed FIFA king, though, as uh, the debate goes on here between you and Jake. And here. then, of course, previous uh, soccer player in college, midfielder, in fact. Right, Troy? Yes, sir. Troy Journey. All right. So, uh Kind of do a World Cup recap and as far as like state of soccer in the U.S. and that type of stuff too. So guys, um, how did you rank this World Cup? You know, what were your thoughts on it like after it's over? Yeah, I mean, it was a very entertaining World Cup. Um, there were a lot of teams that you wouldn't have necessarily thought would have been competing uh, that actually had a good run. So Croatia, they had a run all the way to the World Cup final. That's not something that was expected and... Uh, it was definitely fun to see Russia get involved too. It's always fun when the home country uh, has a good run and uh, they go a little bit crazy there. So as far as the competitiveness, it seemed like every single game in the knockout stage was going to penalties. Yeah, like PKs, um, overtime, yeah, nonstop. Yeah. And so as like a neutral, that was, you know, obviously the United States wasn't in, so it made for entertaining games for sure. Yeah, to piggyback off that, the U.S. not being in it is definitely a little damper on uh people in the United States actually watching the World Cup, but from a soccer fanatic with France, Argentina, Belgium, all the top teams like playing well there at the end, very entertaining and just an amazing World Cup, I thought. All right, I'll be the opposite flip of the coin. I thought it was disappointing because it was basically a bunch of European teams all in the final playing against each other. I was expecting more of like the other teams with like the big top dogs like Brazil not making too much of a run, Neymar not being as assertive as we thought he was going to be. Same with Argentina and Messi with Ronaldo and Portugal so it was kind of like a whole final of of Europe it's always good to see the underdog I was always cheering for Croatia like that's just how we are in America we're always going for the underdog so but just France is too good super competitive so but like Jake was saying all these games going into overtime and PKs especially with the Portugal Spain game yeah right going 3-3 just an absolute crazy game to watch so it had its ups and downs and most tournaments always do. See, so. but I feel like that was to be expected for it to be European-centric. I mean, going into it, I think the only legitimate team outside of Europe that had a perhaps shot at winning the World Cup would have been Brazil. But outside of that, I mean, Argentina was always going to be carried just by Messi. Yeah. Um, Uruguay, yeah, they're good. But it, it, I don't think anybody would have considered them a, Putting them you know, in a favorite yeah, to make a semifinal or a final. But um I don't know. I, I thought it was to be expected for the European teams to be at the top, but um, definitely would have thought Brazil would have gone a little bit further. Uh, they ran into to Belgium there, I guess, but um, I don't know. I thought it kind of played out how I would have expected it to. Yeah, Colombia didn't make that much big of a run either. I mean, I didn't get to see the matchup I wanted with Portugal and Argentina there after the group mm, stage. The dream matchup. The dream yeah. matchup. So it's just everyone getting kind of knocked out sooner than expected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the internet would have exploded had uh, Portugal yeah. and Argentina faced off against each other. It would the, have been uh, the goats going at it. The, the memes would have been too good. 
Gosh, I, I don't know. Like for me, at least, it was it was a it was weird watching this World Cup because the U.S. wasn't in it. Because that's usually like how I get into World Cup. It's just like a passive soccer fan that whenever the World Cup comes on, that's like when I'm a huge fan or something. And, and not having the U.S. in it was just kind of odd. It like makes me excited for like the Women's World Cup this year. Just like, all right. Yeah, know. women's team's amazing, man. Yeah. I mean, amazing. they won gold last time. So like how good can they be this year? And like will that be the story? What Whatever. But as far as like, you know, you guys' favorite team watching through the World Cup, who was it? I'd say for me, it was France. I know uh, watching ESPN and the soccer channel a lot um, leading up to the World Cup, France has the talent. They're young, but they're just not putting it together. But always like thinking of they have some of the top talent in the entire world and they're Mbappe is 19 years old. Like if they had to put it together and they make a good run, like you saw it there and they won the World Cup. So for, for me, France being the most exciting, obviously I'm a huge Messi fan and seeing some of the star players little disappointing seeing Cavani, Salah get hurt. Um, but overall, I just thought France was the most exciting and definitely deserved to win. Yeah, I thought Russia, like Jake was saying earlier, was kind of my most exciting game slash team to watch just because when you're at your home country and no one expected them to even get out of the group stage, let alone go, what was it, semifinal, quarterfinal? However, yeah, to knock out Spain too. Right? Yeah, and to knock out Spain just to upset kind of teams left and right in the in the home country after not even having any kind of top level tier players that you are expecting to do well. So it's kind of a crazy good team effort for them to pull it all together to to make a crazy run. But that's always the pros of playing in front of your home crowd is getting that extra little motivation. So that was kind of my sleeper highlight team that I would always try and tune in and watch. Yeah, I mean, mine definitely would be France as well. Um, going into it, you knew that they had a lot of young talent. Um, Kylian Mbappe coming from PSG. I mean, he came out of the scene with Monaco a couple years ago in the Champions League and just tore it apart and got Monaco unexpectedly to the semifinals. And so, you know, he was going to be good. It was a little bit similar. I mean, in the 2014 World Cup, Colombia was that surprise team that had a lot of flair. They had Hamas Rodriguez who came onto the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, he pretty much made a name for himself in that World Cup. And I thought Kylian Mbappe was the same way with France in this year's go-round. Um, really in that semifinal, or not in the semifinal, in the round of 16 game against Argentina, he just blistered up Argentina's yeah. defense. I mean, no the, one catch him. just truly no, his speed was incredible. Yeah, and then you go back and he's only 19 and you're like, what the hell? I mean, I'm 22. Yeah, the guy and is four I, years yeah. younger than me. Yeah, and um, <laughs> I mean, he was awesome. And, and he's, I, I really think he's going to be a star for the next decade similar to Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi. I don't know if he's going to attain their level because it's hard to get to their level, but he's got a long um, way. (laughs) A lot of comparisons to Thierry Henry for obvious reasons, a striker. He's fast plays on the wing from France. Um, But I I mean, France was, it was awesome to watch them this world. Cup. Yeah. We're going about like best player that I enjoyed watching tournament was definitely Modric with Croatia. That dude literally backpacked his entire team to get into a world cup final that no one even expected them to get that far without him kind of being the maestro of the midfield holding together defensively is also getting into chances and all that. So seeing him win best player of, of the tournament as well as helping him get his team into that final round, that guy really yeah. went, went put, like put the backpack on. Oh yeah, Put that dagger in the hearts of Argentina with that strike from outside the box and yeah. just carried him. I mean, him and Rakitic, that midfield was just later incredible. Well, as far as like, uh, you know, like the rest of the World Cup, was there anything where you're just like, you know, I mean, we've talked about Russia, 
you know, getting out of the group stage and stuff. Or is there something else where you're going like, wow, that shouldn't have happened? You know, Mbappe, you know, clearly showed up on the scene. And, you know, Jake, you alluded to the fact that kind of knew he was going to be good, but was kind of crazy good, in my opinion, at least, of just a passive soccer fan. But, I mean, I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts? Was there anything else that just struck you out as weird? Like a major disappointment or something? Yeah, or? yeah. I mean, is there some team that, like, just... I mean, like, I know Germany's one of those teams. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like, what the heck? They won the World Cup, you know, four years ago. It's and the then curse. they, You the know, they didn't make it out of the group stage, right? Yeah. Curse whoever wins the last couple World Cups, haven't made it out with Germany, Italy. It's just... They got a target on their back. Everyone's coming for them with their best shot. I mean, and to touch on another point, I mean, the brackets, kind of a little bit of gamesmanship between like Belgium and England, that first game in the um, the group stage, they kind of, basically the winner was going to get put in the harder side of the bracket. So they didn't really play any of their starters and Belgium, Belgium ended up winning that game and kind of going in the harder bracket over there with Brazil and all the other top teams as well. But I mean, England still made it till... Um, the semifinals and it was just kind of a little gamesmanship and seeing how um, one side of the bracket is a little harder and leaves the opportunity for some other teams like Croatia to make it on, make it all the way in there. Yeah, for I just sure. think biggest disappointment is probably Brazil just kind of being the, the powerhouse team that heavily favorite, but that's probably another curse is whenever you're like always the heavy favorite to do well and get far. Uh, I think Neymar played well in the group stages, but kind of same with like Messi and Ronaldo when it gets to like those elimination games, how they can't ever score a goal in the in the games that seem to really push their team and their country over the edge, as well as um, who was the other team? Either it was either Mexico. They were making some pretty good runs. Mexico, um, Sweden, Mexico, also. Sweden, Belgium. They're always kind of a dark horse, kind of a sleeper pick that most people kind of like. Oh, this will be my underdog team that it, gets far, that can get far. Um, I know I, I talked to a couple people who had them either in the finals or semifinals, and yeah. I think if they get maybe one more addition or something like that to really kind of push their team over the edge instead of being like that four or five sleeper pick who's kind of like the underdog that can still sneak in if those big teams don't play well. Sure. So that's kind of the two. Yeah, I mean, Belgium, they still have all that talent. I yeah. mean, obviously not as young as what the French have, but right. little old, um, yeah. sure. But they're still well set up, I think, for some success in the future rounds. Um Come next World Cup in Qatar, but yeah, if they get um, like another young player, like how yeah. France has like a, a really solid young guy yeah. who can help the older guys kind of get over that level. Well, I mean, four years ago, nobody had even heard of Kylian Mbappe because he was 15. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> right. he was in, yeah. <laughs> barely coming out of middle school, and then he's exactly. all of a sudden now leading France to a World <laughs> Cup or at least playing a big part in it. Um, I definitely think the most disappointing thing, obviously, Germany's the the easy answer. Um, and I, but something more specific, like how lethargic they looked within the games that they played. I mean, they got smoked by Mexico. They got lucky. They had to, to score that cruise goal yeah. by, uh, mm-hmm. against uh, Sweden, I think. Yeah, it took uh-huh. a chance. Yeah, I mean, they were really lucky not to be eliminated on the spot. It was just a moment of brilliance from Cruz that really saved them. But then in the, the game against Korea, they. They looked like they didn't even care. I mean, it was just it's unbelievable. Like they, it was the game they expected to win. Like go yeah. home or something. And uh, now they're having some issues. Um, Ozil, not, with yeah, that little... outside of the outside of the uh, national team, and Ozil he's retiring, and there's some some drama going on within that organization. Um, so it's interesting to just see how much they're kind of falling apart um, after they had so much success the last World Cup. I mean, they were so tactical, efficient, just the typical. You German way of football. Team, yeah. um, Look at the final last year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that that was incredibly disappointing. Not to see that they dis- that they didn't play well, but just the attitude that was lacking um, in their games. It was uh, it was pretty disappointing. 
Well, as far as, uh, I mean, you know, Germany, I think, should have clearly made it or, you know, made out of the group stage or whatever. But you guys, you know, clearly understand that. You know, like that was just disappointing. That was weird. Um, Also some disappointment in the Argentina coaching. That guy, okay. There's a topic for you, Jeremy. Go ahead. I know you were were watching the games at lunch and they got loads of talent on the bench starting guys like Meza and a couple other guys never even heard of. And I know it's kind of by position, like Dybala plays the same position as Messi, but at a certain time, like you're getting in question to make it out of the group stage, you got to put your best players on the field. Like, I mean, I always like kind of relate that to FIFA. I mean, I put the best players like Messi, Di Maria, Dybala, Higuain, and Aguero. Like, who cares if they're all two of the three same positions? Like, you put your best players in to win the game, and ultimately, I think it kind of bit them in the ass, honestly. Especially if it's just like, here, Messi, do it, do it, do it, do it. At some point, it's like, get those guys off the bench. Give them some more fresh legs or some other kind of talent to get the pressure from the defense away have, from the man, yeah, admit the legend, Messi. You have, like, Meza and some other guy on, like the, on the wing – and there's, like, three guys on Messi. It's like, oh, yeah, Messi didn't show up this World Cup. But, yeah, he had three guys on him the entire time. Like, what is he really supposed to do? I mean, did really as much as he can, had that one nice goal. But, I mean, ultimately, one of the best players in the world, it's not the easiest to do that against three, four players at a time when they're just circling him. There's there's basically no room to go. Forgot about that. Thanks, Troy, for bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Took that to Twitter. <laughs> you agree with that, Jake? With the Argentina side? I don't know. I mean, they have so much talent, but a lot of it is in the same area of the field. So, yeah, I mean, lacks. yeah, you, you can't just start all five guys and they're all strikers and then expect them to perform. Um, obviously, there are some, I mean, Sergio Aguero was on the bench and, yeah, he's, and it just, he's a difference maker. You should never have him on the bench, but it, it's just a, it's a tough spot for that coach to be in because, I mean, you have all this talent, but there's only you the know, same two or three spots for the same spot. So what are you supposed to do? I mean, uh, in FIFA, it's easy. You could just plug them all in and, and um, yeah. And, and you know, you work your way around it just because <laughs> such a freaking good player at FIFA. But, um, <laughs> it, it doesn't unfortunately work like that. Unfortunately for the you know, Argentina's right. coach. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, a lot of the criticism is just, um, I, I think he was slow to react in some of the substitutions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just they, think the they, way he played it out wasn't, the smartest. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you need a goal, you shouldn't be waiting eighty like until the 80th minute yeah, to bring on one of your best players. Um, but, I mean, it's tough. It's a tough spot to be in for sure. Well, transitioning over back to the U.S., um, I mean, what you know, what are you guys thinking now? Like, are like, the U.S. is shooing to make the next World Cup in Qatar? Or, you know, another four years going to really help out? Or are we kind of going to be in the same spot when that comes around we might miss it again? I don't know. I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, <laughs> um, I, mean I know it's a long ways away, but like if you had sure. to guesstimate, you know, like is soccer emerging <laughs> in the U.S. and like, you know, enough of the talent of the U.S. and stuff going to play soccer now? I would hope so. I mean, the U.S. being how large the actual country is and a team like Iceland with the population of a small city on the East Coast, like, I mean, they made the World Cup of the top 32 teams. Like, as a U.S. fan and as just the U.S. in general, like, we have to be one of the 32 best teams to make it with all we're of our talent. so much more all money and time compared to other countries right. that don't have as many resources as we do. So I'm sure it's just all talent-wise and base-wise. But, I mean, the MLS is getting larger. It's getting more popular. There's going to be more competition. I mean, you get better by playing better people. So when that starts to go in uh, just the process, basically, of trying to – 
trust the process here for the next four years of just getting to play better people and with more like European players coming over here to the U.S. now and playing in the MLS and And development programs and everything we're trying to get more in place. Plus, after the coach shakeup, after not getting in this year, right. if we don't get in next year, there's going to be we some got four major, years now. That's just some major yeah. pullbacks here within the soccer community. If we don't make it back to back years, that's going right. to be. I mean, we have massive. a good little core right now with Pulisic and Wea down here at PSG in Dortmund. But I mean, with I just think our young players need to play. Honestly, I don't really know too many like star names as of now, but. We just got to get them on the field and playing against the best players in the world. I know we played France leading up to the World Cup in a friendly, and I think we drew that game 1-1, and we were up like most of the game. But, I mean, France is playing most of their actual players, and we're playing some young players, which I think is really encouraging. I mean, bring won the World back. Cup. <laughs> <laughs> bring Donovan back, baby. It is definitely like an interesting catch-22, though. I mean, in the current moment, the best way for the national team to get better would be your best players are playing the best competition, which is in Europe. It's not in America. Like MLS is growing. It's gotten better. It's miles better than what it was previously, but it's it's obviously not there and it will never be at the level of Europe. But another way for for soccer to get bigger here in America is to have a good domestic league. So it's like, what do you do? I mean, to grow it from the ground up, you need to have, you know, the best domestic league or at least a better one that is a good product and people want to get into. And so then they, you know, start playing soccer and you have generations of soccer fans. It's like trying to sell your best player. No, Hey, stay here and play in America right. instead of going over to Europe. Right. Like that's such a tough. Sell. So obviously the players themselves, they need to go abroad. They need to be playing in Germany. They need to be playing in England and Spain and France, all these, you know, European leagues. But if they leave, then obviously that hurts your, that hurts major league soccer. So it's right. interesting. It's how, how do you find the, that? That hurts balance. all the role players yeah. who are on their team. Right. who can't get the same experience. Right. Who so, aren't that good enough to go play in Europe compared right. to the yeah. superstars we have in the MLS. Right. So there was a Europe. player that played for FC Dallas's, um, I, I forget his name. It's like McKinley, something like that. Uh, he played, he started off in FC Dallas's system and then moved over to Schalke in Germany. And so you're obviously not going to tell him, Hey, don't go to Germany. Cause that's, that's the best thing for him. But then that hurts FC Dallas because you just lose that talent and right. that ability to, you know, grow your product. So it's finding that balance is going to be huge for um, soccer in the United States in the years to come. Um, it's it's going to be hard. I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, we haven't really found a way to figure it out yet. Um, it's going to help once Major League Soccer gets bigger here. Um, it, it's growing. I mean, the the league is continuing to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, gosh, we're close to 30 teams in the league now. I know that the, the league is expanding more uh, into the future. So it'll just be interesting to see what that looks like over the next four years and how the product can continue to develop. I mean, as I think that would be, you know, if the domestic side of soccer gets a lot better and then all of a sudden you see a lot, like I always love it when some team from Europe comes and plays a U.S. team here, you know, like it's, it's fun to kind of see the differences for me at least of how good is one team versus the other. And, you know, how much more room does the U.S. need to, like, make up necessarily, like, make up ground? But until, like you're saying, Jake, until that kind of ground is made up and domestically we're as good as, you know, or comparable to some other of the European teams, then it's it's hard for the U.S. guys just to want to stay here and get better here um, going forward. So, it's a, yeah, you're right. It's definitely a catch-22. That was, that's a great term. But... Who is um, who's one player you'd love to see that plays soccer like right now, play another sport? Like whatever sport you're thinking about, doesn't matter. But like 
you know, mine, mine, for example, would be, you know, like I wanted to see Donovan try to play, um, try to try to play football for a while and like, see if he could be kind of, you know, like a Wes Welker type of guy run out in the slot, catching passes and stuff like that. So I just think that'd be awesome. But what, what are your guys' thoughts? Hmm. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a hard question here on the spot. I mean, I think Cristiano Ronaldo I was is say Ronaldo one too. of the best athletes in the world. He's just um, a freak. Yeah, I mean, the, the dude's diet, his physique. I mean, Jesus, when he was doing that free kick, uh, he, <laughs> rolled rolled his it, yeah, he rolled his shorts halfway up his legs. So he might be the best NFL kicker in the world. Yeah, yeah I mean, Jesus. Make everybody <laughs> feel bad with that. <laughs> there are a lot of NFL teams that would sign him up, and I bet he'd do a kick-ass job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so why don't we do Ronaldo as a kicker? I think he'd be, uh, he'd be sweet. He lives for the moment. He uh, loves the pressure. Uh, so why don't we get him in a Super Bowl and uh, get him with a, a field goal with the game on the line? Man, that'd be awesome. Or maybe some name yeah. a goalie. Put him. Put him as a. Put him as a receiver. I was gonna say, yeah, it's the easy answer to say a kicker. Um, I know, um, being a Tottenham fan, watching Harry Kane kick field goals. I think he was with the New York Giants. He was kicking fifty-six yard field goals, and it's like it's the easy answer. Obviously, because soccer players, all they do is kick. But mm. for me, that would be one. I mean, he was one kicking with accuracy, and two like fifty-six yard field goals. It's insane. Like. Right. That's probably the easiest answer to get. I'd love to see uh, Neymar play with James Harden on the Rockets because both of them are just the king of flopping. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. Neymar, Let's go. Neymar would be he would be getting a lot of free throw attempts. Of, I don't know how good he is at the, the free throws, but Jesus, that Lord, uh, that dude knows how to flop. So let, let's get him on the Rockets with Harden. They'd be a perfect match. So they have one action. Gosh, man. Drawing those fouls, you know, really. Uh, That's good. Troy, you still with Ronaldo playing? Yeah, I'm Ronaldo. You with Ronaldo? Or put Courtois out as a receiver. Man's got right. insane hands. He can't ever drop a soccer ball, and it's kicked at him like 60 miles an hour, so I bet he could catch a ball from Tom Brady or something. I mean, and Bappe running track, something along those lines. I mean, put him I know Bappe running receiver. Receiver, you know, too. I mean, receiver, just have him go that. past him like you yeah. say, Bolt or someone playing football. Right. Like right. running and just. He, yeah, these guys with size and speed, you know, just playing a different sport like that. But, uh, but man, I, you know, Mbappe, if he could dribble a basketball, he'd be a Westbrook speed, you know, down the court too. That looks fun. like him too. Yeah. Well, I mean, that'd be Westbrook speed, man. That'd be that'd be funny as as can be. But on the on the other side, who's uh, maybe one player you'd, you'd love to see play soccer? Joel Embiid yeah. and Steve Nash. Steve Nash is well. Embiid, what position? What are you playing soccer? Doesn't matter. He's just Doesn't big. I've just seen. I've <laughs> seen him, <laughs> I've seen him do so forever. many like soccer videos and stuff of him like out there just messing around, juggling like the basketball and stuff. So I know he's got some footwork. He's got some skill. Might put him at like a defensive center mid or center back just because he's so big and tall that he can like kind of win any header and get super aggressive with someone. Because like that's kind of like how in the paint when he's like posting people up or just kind of boxing out that area. Kind of maybe like a holding center back, so I'm just kind of big physical threat for like free kicks or corner kicks, just to kind of get all the stuff out and clear it out. And he's got some footwork. It looks like in the videos. I put Steve Nash as like a quick, nice little like attacking center mid, holding center mid, just because I mean all those dunk competitions of him doing like rainbows the and stuff. The rainbow and header off the glass yeah. to Stoudemire. Yeah, everywhere that guy's got That's he's fun. got skills. So <laughs> those are my those are my two I want to see out there. Uh, I think you'd get a winning soccer team if you put LeBron up top at striker. And literally <laughs> the only thing you do is cross the dude balls into the box and just let him win the header. Like nobody's going to box that guy out. Nobody's going to, you know, out muscle him. Joel Embiid. No, I don't Tall think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think LeBron jumps right over Embiid. 
But uh, <laughs> that would be a fun one, obviously, would be just watching LeBron beast on dudes like he does in the NBA. We should put oh, – going back to putting a player in another sport, put Ibra. The other day, um, Zlatan was saying how he could definitely play basketball with LeBron, and they're lucky he hasn't been coming out here to the state sooner because he would have definitely transitioned out to sports, and that guy – Apparently, is he's the greatest at everything, so <laughs> he might not be bad at that. I know, I know he thinks he's the greatest at everything. Yeah. <laughs> I said he was going to be president if he came here 10 years ago. Yeah. Jeez, he'd be a god. I still got to see him play, though. He's playing tonight at 7. When's this done? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We can't make it that quick. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> I think for me, it'd be LeBron, but seeing him play goalie. Goalie? I think, yeah, the dude's just so, like, such a tall dude. So athletic, I think, you know, he's getting any save, he's getting any dive, you know, whatever he needs to do to save a goal. I mean, I think I think he'd just be a tremendous goalie. He can he, you know, he's who knows how good he could kick or you know, but he can definitely throw the heck out of the ball down the field to get it to a good uh, midfielder, somebody running it. I don't know what I'm talking about, but Yeah, goalie's kinda of like of, a captain position. They're kinda of right. more of a leader. They see the vision, kinda of yeah. got like the court vision stuff and kinda of getting the defense set up and stuff like that, but He'll be good if the ball comes right there in his wingspan, but if you sneak one down low in the corner, it's going to be tougher that seven-footer to get down to the ground to try and save some. So he'll be good, like, maybe on comes corners and, and just being a threat, like physical threat, but I, he would get smoked probably in, like, a free <laughs> kick. That man yeah. would get, like, toasted, burnt on a wall probably bad just because it's different reaction speeds. So. Right, right. I understand that. I guess – He's just such a... But we're living in the world of what if, so I would right, love to see LeBron do Right, he's such an athletic dude, like, you know, but you're That's right, on a free kick, yeah. yeah, for sure. So, I mean, if uh, LeBron's playing soccer, is Tyron Lue also on the bench not doing shit? Or is, <laughs> is LeBron still calling the shots there? LeBron's coaching no matter yeah, who. I would love so. to see that. I want to see LeBron not listening to his manager and just calling the shots on a soccer team. I want to see what that looks like. <laughs> that would be phenomenal for uh, sure. And Lavar's out there, <laughs> yeah, Lavar Ball's <laughs> out there too, just yelling. Oh gosh, yeah. I would, I would say, just not a specific basketball player, but a player like John Wall, being just quick court to court action, like one end of the court to the other. I think being like a left winger. Not sure how good John Wall would be at soccer, but I mean the speed's definitely there. So I'd like to see him running against a right back, left back on the on the wing there, and seeing if they can keep up because. I mean, it's on a basketball court. You, good luck keeping up with John Wall. You know. Yeah, I mean, I love to see like Usain Bolt play soccer, as we were saying, you know, or Westbrook play soccer or whatever. <laughs> well, you know, just like well, yeah, Usain Bolt. He actually uh, is rumored to be playing for a USL team in Austin. Oh. So I don't know if that's uh, legit yet, but may He's have like to try it out for. Yeah, a bunch I of may have teams. to book a flight out to Austin to see that if it, if it ends up coming to fruition. Well, I mean, maybe the local team in Ohio will also retire LeBron's number in a soccer sense <laughs> since they did it for that minor league baseball team. He's never played that either. Oh, so, <laughs> who knows? Gosh. Maybe he's already played somewhere. And they'll retire his number there, too. Yeah, gosh. I don't know at that point. But, <laughs> I mean, you know, when it, when it comes to soccer, like, it's definitely the, definitely the one sport that I know the least about, probably next to hockey. But... I don't know what, what are your guys' thoughts on like soccer like getting more popular in the U.S. What's the what's the next step here, or what's what are the possibilities? Honestly, I think a big thing which Major League Soccer is trying to capitalize on it, like one of the biggest ways to get some reach out to players is just through video games. I mean, I know myself, I was introduced to soccer via FIFA. Um, it was the type of thing where in 2010 I watched the World Cup, thought it was interesting. 
Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are similar to me now after this year's World Cup. But I was, after that, I was like, okay, I guess I'll try out FIFA. And it's an awesome video game. Um, so at that point, you become familiarized with players, teams. You start to get a first-name basis with some of these guys. You, you start to develop a little tactical awareness of what's going on in the game. And then so all of a sudden, I played FIFA. Then I saw that there was a game on TV, watched it. It was an Arsenal-Barcelona game in 2011 in the Champions League. It was awesome. It was Barcelona was heavily favored. Messi, you know, Xavi, Iniesta, all of them. And Arsenal upset them. And I was hooked at that point. It was such an exciting game. And so I know there are a lot of people similar to me where they are introduced through like, oh, do you watch soccer? No, I don't. Do you play FIFA? Oh, hell yeah. Because it's yeah, a freaking awesome game. <laughs> right. Um, and it's funny seeing everyone compare like players like watching the game. Like I went to the Tottenham Roma game last night. I mean. Playing with Tottenham on FIFA all the time, you know, like Harry Kane's a great striker, of course, didn't play playing in the World Cup, but guys like Erickson making incredible plays, like, you know, just from FIFA, like studying him, watching his like uh, finesse shot, took one from outside the box yesterday, hit the post. I mean, it's just really cool to kind of see the video game aspect and actually see them in person and getting exposure to kind of European soccer down here. I mean, watching guys like Messi, Erickson, Suarez, Ronaldo, Neymar, all those different guys. I mean, it's we don't really have an exact prototype player like that here in the United States. So when these super teams are coming down here to play in the United States, it's kind of a great exposure for some of the American fans to kind of see how soccer is actually played in Europe and we're trying to translate that to back here in America. I think so. it comes down to two things, and that's the U.S. national team being successful. Sure. And so when we actually are in a World Cup being super competitive and we're in a final or semifinal or something, if we make some crazy push like that, then fans like yourself, Calvin, who aren't big soccer fans, that's like the only time you watch. So we haven't been able to truly capitalize on those like single fans who only watch during the World Cup. And it's like we're giving them a bad product. So why would they want to come out and keep watching soccer and not really be a fan of it? And also – Getting people to come actual to a game live because it's Watching not the most TV, exciting dude. thing to watch on TV. Even myself playing, I was just like, I would not want to go watch someone else play. But seeing it live or playing it live is always the best thing. So I think with, like Jake was saying, with all these expansion teams in the MLS, just being more like present in everyone's community, getting them to actually go see a game and seeing it in person creates that sense of, oh, I know this player, I know this team, I know these people. And then when you see them turn around, potentially playing in a World Cup and being successful will then spark the whole – because we're in America. We like winners. We love winners. That's why we only talk about the best players, the best teams, and we only keep up with X, Y, and Z. Same with how it's like, oh, we only know about Messi and Ronaldo and all these other top-level players. It's because – they're the best at what they do and the best at their craft. So I think right. if we start winning more internationally based <clears throat> and getting people to go see games in person, because yeah, it's such a different atmosphere. I agree. Like with the 2014 World Cup, I I was on a cruise actually in Europe for like the first half of it, and when the knockout stages started, I was back in the United States, and we were playing Belgium, and I mean Tim Howard was standing on his head making 10, 15 saves, and like. America was into the game like we actually were had a chance to beat Belgium who unfortunately beat us um, that year but goes to say like with the culture especially in uh, European football with like we're missing that one star player because like Donovan's gone retired now Howard's not where he used to be like in 14 2010 so he's older he's in the MLS kind of on the decline we're looking for some kind of superstar to then wrap around all of our soccer marketing around yeah 
Right. That's what we really are missing right now. I mean, we've had players in the past that have been successful playing in Europe, but none at the level where they were a top 10 player in the world or where you could just focus all your marketing efforts around him. So like what I think is we're waiting on like this Messiah, almost like Tiger Woods. When he burst onto the scene, I mean, previously, yeah, golf was popular, but not at the level that it it was after that Tiger Woods got. I mean, he just... When Tiger's on TV, you're going to turn yeah, the TV on. Yeah, yeah. Tiger it, was much watched TV on Sunday. Whatever yeah. you're doing, I'm watching Tiger. He had the red shirt on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so, I mean, it's until we really get that superstar. Like, yeah, we have Christian Pulisic, who's a nice player. He's got a ton of potential. Is he going to be that, like, world-changing player? I don't know. But I know that whenever we do get one of those players, it's a matter of time. I don't know if it's going to be the next five years. Maybe it's in the next 30 years. But whenever that happens, we have to capitalize on right. him to like use him as a spearhead for growing soccer as a brand in America. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time that it happens. I mean, we had we thought Freddie Adu was going to be the guy. Yeah, uh, we thought fair. I don't know. I don't, I don't think we've had anybody else between Besides Freddie Adu and now Christian Pulisic, yeah. right. who's our best chance. Yeah, he's playing for a top team in Germany. He's got a ton of talent. Um, whether or not he actually comes to fruition. Remains to be seen. But if he can be that guy, awesome. But if not, we're just going to have to wait for it. But uh, whenever we get that superstar, that true superstar that connects with not just the rabid soccer fan, but just your casual sports fan. Right. Um, that's that one huge. name like yeah. Tiger, Ronaldo, Messi. Like exactly. You just, you just had to get that name out there to get it just with the – Like the spark plug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a name someone knows. You know. Well, whatever happened to Freddie Adu? Like I, like I literally was hearing about that guy – for God a knows. while, and then all of a sudden, I didn't hear about him again. Yeah, wasn't he like the FIFA cover that one year? Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> he rumored to be transferred year. to like United, and I don't know. He just fell off the face of the earth. He bounced around different leagues in South America and Europe, but um, yeah, it just it didn't work out. I mean, there was a ton of hype around him. Uh, I think that's why it's important now that we don't put too many or too high of expectations for young. Yeah, he was super young, super but I mean, young. no more. I think maybe sixteen or something like that. And Christian yeah. Pulisic is uh, nineteen or yeah. twenty now, and so I think it's important for us to tailor our expectations on him. I mean, I know I I drink the Kool Aid. I, I want him to be a top player in the world. He's always rumored to be going to like a Liverpool or a, a Tottenham and somewhere in the English Premier League where you know we'd be able to watch him more than currently in the German Bundesliga. Um, but it, it's important for us to to not put these. You know, Messiah level expectations on him. Because yeah, like, right. hey, if he does 16, you're going to be the face of right. soccer in the U.S. I mean, and he already kind of is the face of yeah. soccer in the U.S. So that, that's enough in itself. But uh, not expecting too much out of him is, is important. Um, but I just, I sure hope that he can become uh, that superstar for us. It'd be It'd incredible be for the brand and for himself and for United States soccer to grow it. And it's also kind of a positive, like seeing some of these other top athletes, like, I mean, one just off the top of my head, LeBron posting that picture on Instagram with the Pulisic jersey, like LeBron's, what, 10, 15 years older than Pulisic and he's rocking a 19 year old's jersey. Like that has to do something positive for United States soccer as a whole, like seeing basically the face of the United States in basketball and best player in the world, like rocking a 19 year old's jersey, like someone's like, Maybe we gotta check this guy out because I mean LeBron's, LeBron's in my yeah. well, I guess. So. I don't. I'm with I'm with you guys for sure on that. I mean, I I don't know. It just um, like politics. The next guy, you know, that's the next guy I've heard about. It's kind of the you know you know you expect like huge things from him. You expect him to be like Landon Donovan level, you know, Bradley level here in a little bit. It's just kind of. I don't know. It's just, it's hard to gauge that type of stuff for me just because I'm not. 
Time will tell. Yeah, I'm not huge into soccer, but the guy's so young, and he, but he also plays overseas, so it's not well, like you I know can his go name. watch. I do, I do know his name, exactly. but I can't like. I'm not necessarily going. Oh yeah, I'll be buying an MLS jersey with his name on it, which goes back right, to the point we exactly. were earlier at of like, oh, you know, he does play overseas against some of the world's like best talent, but he's from Hershey, Pennsylvania. So right. you know, like. It's just one of those things. It just it's just part of it. You just looked it up on your laptop. You didn't know it's from Hershey, Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, I watched like the sixty minutes special or whatever. You're here googling no, players no. on his laptop no. while we're all talking. You're just hungry for Hershey bars. I <laughs> no, no, I uh, I'm just on GarageBand right now, guys. <laughs> I'm just you, uh, I'm messing. But yeah, I mean, it's just I I I would love for soccer to like emerge as like the next biggest sport because like right like I played a bunch it of it's the world's biggest sport. I mean the next America. biggest sport in America. Right. You know it's what so, I mean? It's like, so crazy because everybody like from your like four to like twelve. Right. That's like the only sport you like play and you all play it like when you're super young. But then it's like you get older like in middle school and high school and then you start transitioning over sports or different sports or you just stop playing. Yeah. You're like it's the one true sport that's the champion of the world. Like, right. Like the yeah, world you have Cup, a true not world the champion. NBA yeah. championship in America or like something out in Europe. It's the entire world. Like it's the world sport. It's just America's yeah. a little behind on getting behind that, I see. But also it's interesting to see Major League Soccer in their marketing efforts. I mean, when they first started, they were playing at these massive football stadiums that had no business right. having a soccer team. Right. Um, they were these, you know, they're playing at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas or they're playing, well, currently, you know, New England was playing where the Patriots play. Right. Um, and so, but now it's more tailored towards downtown stadiums, smaller venues, intimate right. atmosphere. So I don't think Major League Soccer is necessarily aiming to be like the next big sport. Right. Um, they're just trying to maximize their revenue and find their niche market for their right. for when they do you know pick teams in different right. cities. Um, so like right now, um, like what Portland is doing is yeah. great. They have Portland. a small atmosphere. <clears throat> the the games look amazing. What they have in Orlando, that it's a state of the art stadium. Um, Atlanta, the LA teams too. Yeah, the new the new LA stadium. It's perfect. Um, so I, I, it's interesting to see if, if Major League Soccer will try and, you know, be gunning for that top spot if they're going to try and overtake hockey or, or baseball. I, I mean, they, they started too big. They built right. more they could choose right. starting off. So now and, they kind of and so went they're, backwards they're, and yeah, they're, they're, they'll grow from there. Dumbing it down a little bit, um, really maximizing everything that they can now. And I, I think it's a smart move and uh, it's definitely good to see because you, you don't want to go to a, a soccer game where there's a tons of you know tens of thousands of empty seats because right. there's this eighty thousand seat football stadium. No, you want to go to a like twenty thousand seat. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You want to go to a smaller venue. You want to image that's more like, intimate. Yeah, like, crowded on the field, right on the pitch. I know, like like you mentioned, Portland, Seattle, the two teams that kind of started it in the MLS um, ever so recently, and I know Atlanta playing in that new Mercedes Benz Superdome um, in downtown Atlanta. That stadium holds. 50, 60, 70, and they actually packed that stadium. So mm-hmm. that's, I think, the one exception down there. But with that small, intimate feel of a stadium like Portland or Seattle down there, um, and up there in the Pacific Northwest, kind of made me kind of think about what it was like in Europe when I went to a Champions League game in uh, Munich down there. It, I mean, we're not close to what it's going to be in Europe right now with the entire city. Like, I, sh- I went to Munich got on like a subway to go like to downtown Munich and the entire country city is in red Bayern Munich jerseys ready to go to the game. Everyone's walking in the stadium in a pack of like 20, 30,000 people just Just filtering into the stadium, chanting and everyone just screaming, having a great time. And that's the only thing going on in the city 
like for that day. Like that's the only thing going on, which is not entirely the case down here, obviously in America yet with obviously a yeah. lot more popular sports. Right. And I don't know if we'll ever get to that point. Yeah. It's a little bit, um, it's hard to find our niche. Right. Our niche can, as long Something as we, to strive for though. Right. It, it'd be amazing if it could get to that point. I am skeptical that it will ever get there just right. because it, it's going to be hard. Basketball and football we're, are yeah, we're, I mean, MLS has only been around for a couple of decades. So, right. um, trying to compete with these well, you know, more established leagues, it's going to be hard. But if we can find that local passion, you know, maybe not on a national level for a national appeal, right. but on that local level, if you could find that local niche market, that's going to do wonders for, um, growing the game here. Agreed. I mean, what about the NASL? Like they just like, I mean, it just just went under, right? The national like national Ameri- North American Soccer League. I have no idea what yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean that, that's that's like that's the thing. Is None like, of the people pay attention to MLS, so they're sure as hell not going to pay yeah. attention. To right. So like so. like you got like USL. So for example, like the Oklahoma State Energy, um, I used to like write for them and cover a bunch of stuff. Like they they're technically like the minor league team for FC Dallas. Yeah. Right. So then you've got like the NASL, which just basically like cratered this last year because there's not enough people watching it. But do you guys think like the USL has a chance? And I mean, you know, like it's like a weird thing, oh, like no, like I've, the team, yeah. like it's almost like a minor league system for MLS teams, but still MLS teams aren't like just killing right. it. Right. I think minor league is a different way to kind of market their brand with, I know, like just minor league hockey, for example, down here in San Diego, like. $2 Bud Light night on Friday. Like that's the kind of thing they got to do to get people to come out to these games. And ultimately once you're at a game and like, you're actually in the atmosphere of the crowd, like it's an actually really fun sport to watch. Like I've grown up and played it, watched it my whole life. And I mean, being at the actual stadium is crucial. There's just so many developmental academies and stuff right. that, that cater to kids that are, that age and looking for that shot. So I think right now it's kind of more not really the farmer program is like those certain leagues. It's more of like, are you in this certain Nike develop Academy? Are you already in the LA developmental Academy? That's kind of where they're picking people from. So it's kind of more of more of a back burner as these second leagues. It's more of, are you in my academy? Are you playing for this certain coach that I already know? So it's kind of like that's where they're kind of picking their players from or kind of already – or they're already that good enough to where they're skipping that entirely and you're going to the NSL or MLS immediately. And that's where – that's kind of more of like the third-string players who can't even get to the bench or on a practice team in the MLS. It's kind of where – I think, yeah, I think why Europe is so in South America and just countries around the world that have soccer as their main sport is so far ahead of us is they start their kids playing soccer at like what three, four, five years old. Like, yeah, but I mean, we saw these kids that are trying to get into the MLS. I mean, I started when I was three, right? I mean, it didn't, but the majority of kids like in the entire country are like starting out with soccer. I mean, obviously, here we have basketball, football, hockey, yeah, soccer. Like, there's a lot of other things to do. I just think that's why Europe's so far ahead of us is they start their players in like they have more academies. Talented, they have yeah. more talented people in their second oh yeah tier division than yeah we have to kind of see. Pick. I don't think it's where or when they start developing because, like Troy said, we have an incredible amount of people playing soccer at the youth level. Sure. It's that adolescent level where the development really takes place, and I think just the differing system is the collegiate. 
um, the collegiate sports atmosphere that we have here in America, it's completely different than anything that they have in Europe. They don't have college sports in Europe. Right. Um, Joy, maybe you can touch on this, but it's I mean, all those academies and travel yeah, teams. At, at twelve or at twelve years old or three or thirteen years old, these yeah. kids over in Europe they're starting to go into academies. Here, yeah. we're still playing in middle school and we're still playing in high school. And then you know, the kid in go high school has to choose between does he yeah. want to play for academy or does he want to play for his school because you can't do both. Um, you know, and so our best players here, they're, I mean, the young players, they're still in college at, you know, 19 till 21 when Mbappe, he's 19 right now and he's playing for PSG. Right, exactly. And so it's, <laughs> we don't have that, that, we don't have that established academy system. And I don't know if anything's ever going to change until, you know, in the current system with NCAA, with how we go right. about developing players within the college system. Um, yeah, because the college system works for like football and basketball and stuff. Right. Yeah. But for when it comes to like soccer and stuff, it's like like what you were saying is like, what academy are you for? Where do you been playing? Where you been traveling? Where do you go do this? Where do you do that? How young have you started in this academy? So it's more based on that. And then it's like, oh, at the same time you're doing this academy, like go play your D one right. school at the same time to try and get as much touches on the ball as possible. Instead of instead of um, Mbappe playing in an academy, he's then instead of going playing college, he's playing at PSG to where he's playing even better competition. Right, right. Because those superstar kids who are at those academy levels are probably just crushing D1 athletes left and right to where it's not yeah. as much of a challenge. So that's why they're probably going to spend more of their time at that academy sure. trying to get looks into the MLS or even a club yeah. in, in Europe. Not like probably like a second or third level European team, but at the same time for someone here in America, that's right. huge. I it's think like that age. Sorry. Go ahead, no, go ahead. It's like that age level between 15 and 19 yeah. where a ton of development takes place. That's really where you can make or break if you're going to be a stud or not. And instead right. of, you know, going straight into the academies, we're losing people because of the NCAA system. Um, it's in the basketball, like AAU league. Yeah. Right. yeah. That's basically, we don't really have, a well-established to where like college coaches only come to like AU tournaments in basketball to try and find the next like Zion Williams or something right. like that. Or that's where you go and see everybody at a collective event. But for like soccer, it's just like yeah. there's no – there is some, but it's just not as established as in yeah. Europe. Yeah. I think it's a, a positive sign like players like Pulisic and Wea being like 17, 18 year olds, like starting to play like in the top European leagues with like PSG and Dortmund. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's only encouraging, like you're going to play in college soccer down here, or you're going to get your ass kicked in Europe and get better. Like mm -hmm. that's what you got to do. Cause you got to play against the best competition. I mean, playing in college down here in America is not anywhere near as, I guess, productive as playing and getting your ass kicked down here in uh, yeah. Europe, playing against the best players in the world and teaching you what it actually means. But the, the youth academies here, I mean, some of them are really good. Mm -hmm. Like, so I grew up in Frisco, Texas, which is where FC Dallas is located. Mm -hmm. FC Dallas is well regarded within the industry right. of, as having a badass academy system mm -hmm. all throughout their youth. There are major tournaments that will come into the Dallas area, like the Dallas Cup, for instance, you know, Barcelona or teams from England, like Liverpool or teams from South America and Mexico. They're bringing their teams here for this big international tournament. And FC Dallas is holding their own and beating some of those teams. Like, right. I, I think they beat Everton and they, I, I think That's it was like Real Madrid. Yeah. And so you're like, OK, well, so we have the youth talent. But then what? It's so it's it's afterwards where we're losing it's it. It's continuing the development right. through those latter years. And so. 
if we can find a way, I mean, I, I don't know how we do it, but um, to, to tell question. these kids, hey, <laughs> drop out of school and play fucking sports. Like, this is what you're doing. But um, yeah, it's hard I, I to convince know. parents to do that as well. Like, you have them going through college and saying, hey, like, this is your chance to like, go to yeah. Europe and. So, how do you take tell a kid risk? that and how exactly. do you tell the parents that? But because that's what they're doing in Europe. Right. But I don't know if in the academies over. I, I just don't know yeah. how they're structured. I, mean, I just looked up the current champion of the U.S. Soccer Development Academy is the team in Houston. Yeah. So, right. And that's kind of how it is. It's like in the U.S., there's probably like five to 10 states that are like, if you want to play soccer, it's kind of where you're like California, Texas. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of similar to football recruiting. Like, this yeah. is where you're getting players from. Yeah. yeah. So, but that's sports. <laughs> sports. <laughs> well, uh, I think it's going to go ahead and wrap it up here, guys. Thanks for joining for uh, another great episode of the CGA Tour. Uh, please go ahead and subscribe if you aren't already to the podcast and then go follow the Twitter feed at the CGA tour where I watch we have the latest podcast links and information, stuff like that. And if you have any questions or concerns, you can ask them there as well. And, uh, we'll catch you guys soon. Thanks, Calvin. Thanks, Calvin. Tune in next week. <laughs>